Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thanks for coming back. Always great to have you with us. Today, I've got a special guest to, uh, to talk to us about organizational performance, and his name is James McKim. He's the founder and managing partner at Organizational Ignition and author of the book, The Diversity Factor, Igniting Superior Organizational Performance. James, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here. Hey, uh, thanks for coming along. Before we uh, jump into uh, a deep conversation, James, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what is organizational performance from your lens? So my background is that um, I spent most of my career uh, in the technology world, um, having degrees in computer science and philosophy. Um, I like to joke that I can explain what a bit and a byte is, and I can theorize to their existence. <laughs> um, so uh, I've, I've done everything from uh, programming, uh, built building systems, to uh, being in management. Uh, founded a couple of companies uh, in the technology space, and um, when I left Hewlett Packard back in 2018, I started this this consulting practice with the notion that. I wanted to um, leverage all of the, the skills that I had learned over my career to, to help organizations reach what I call their ignition point. And that ignition point is where uh, people, process, and technology are aligned. So that's what my company uh, does. I, I work with a couple of partners, and we work with organizations to, to reach that ignition point uh, and to bring the up. Uh, the superior organizational performance that they could potentially bring. And one of the keys to better organizational performance, as your book alludes to, is the diversity factor. So I want to, want to talk about, first of all, before we get into the detailed definitions, just at a high level, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a term that we hear a lot about. But why don't you, before we get into, like I said, the definitions, tell us why it matters now. Why is it so important? Why is it so topical? Well, it matters because one, we're in a climate where social justice, from a social justice perspective, it matters. Um, with the, the murders of, uh, in 2020 of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, and Breonna Taylor, but from an organizational performance perspective, research has shown that organizations that um, are more diverse and embrace diversity outperform their peers. So uh, McKinsey says that those organizations that embrace diversity are 35% more likely to outperform their peers uh, in um, efficiency and create superior value. Um, People Matter says that organizations that uh, embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion are, um, uh, make 87% better decisions Organizations that are more diverse and embrace diversity um, have uh, are seventy percent better at getting into new markets, and they're twenty five percent better at um, uh, outpacing their peers in EBIT. So, those are business reasons for really leaning into diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, and it's always great when you can get into the numbers and explain the ROI of these topics because it really does matter and it really is impactful. Um, So thanks for sharing that with us, James. I wanna get into the definitions because I I think in a lot of the folks that I've spoken with, you have a a more succinct and detailed at the same time 
definition for each of the component parts. So why don't we start with how you're defining diversity, please? So diversity really, uh, the definition I use and many of us use, is one that was created in 1991 by Marilyn Loden when she was at John Hopkins University. And she uses the model of a diversity wheel. And she says that diversity is really about personality characteristics, is the term she used. And she says we, we have some internal personal char personality characteristics that go to the core of who we are. So our age, our gender, our race, our ethnicity, our physical ability. Those are what really make us up and they don't really change that much or dramatically over our lifetime. But then there are these with what she called secondary characteristics. And those are characteristics of our personality that um, are about how we interact with the world and how the world sees us. So um, our education, geographically where we are, what are our habits, uh, how do we dress, what do we normally look like? So when we think about diversity, it's much more than just race or gender, which is what most people think of. Right. It's about different characteristics of our personalities. And when I wrote the book, um, after I wrote the book, I looked back and I wanted to find out, so what word did I use most in the book? And um, doing the, the calculations, I found that I used most in the book perspectives. And it's the different perspectives that really bring the value to an organization. And we get those different perspectives from having different personality characteristics in our organization. So that's the, the definition of diversity that, that, that I use and many of us use to look forward here. That's fantastic. Uh, so similarly, uh, share with us, if you would, please, your definition of equity then. So with equity, we tend to use the, the terms equality and equity or equal and equity interchangeably. And they're actually not the same. Overall, we do want equal access for people. But how we get people to have equal access should not be how we treat people. We shouldn't treat people equally necessarily because everyone is different. And this gets to what we call the paradox of diversity. On one hand, we all see ourselves as being just like everybody else. We breathe the same air, we're red-blooded. But we also see ourselves as being individual. We're different. We want to be seen as unique from everybody else. So we run around with this paradox. But we are actually different from everybody else. We are each unique. So we each need to be treated different, differently, equitably, to achieve whatever it is we need to achieve. So I like to use the analogy of, and this is in the United States, we talk about baseball. You know, we go to watch baseball, we go to a baseball stadium to watch baseball. There's this great cartoon of three youths of different sizes standing outside a fence trying to see into a ball game. And so the, the three youths of different sizes, one youth is fairly tall, the next youth is a middle size, the next youth is short. And so this, the, the objective for them is to see the ball game over the fence. Well, the tallest youth can see over the fence already, but the middle youth cannot see over the fence, and the shortest youth cannot see over the fence. So how should the ball field help them? How should the ball stadium uh, speed them 
to make sure they're each able to see over the fence to achieve that goal. Well, they could give each one of the youth assistance in the form of a box to stand on to see over the fence, right? So if the ball field gave each of those three youths the same size box, well, the tallest youth who can already see over the fence, sure, can see over the fence. But the middle-sized youth and the smallest youth still aren't necessarily able to see over the fence because the box that they were given, which was the same size as the box with the tall person, is not high enough for them to see over the fence. Right? So this notion of equal treatment doesn't really work for people who are different. So we need equitable treatment where each person is given the number of boxes or the height box that is appropriate for them to see over the fence. Yeah. So the analogy there is, the, the fence is your organization's policies and procedures, which may be putting up barriers to the success of the people in the organization. And, and that's a great way to describe it, and it's a great perspective. Uh, James, we're coming up to uh, just about five minutes to go here in this segment. I want to sneak in very quickly. Lastly, the definition of inclusion, if you would. Sure. So um, inclusion is really an action. Uh, so many people think of inclusion being a state. They say, well, well I have an open office policy, so I'm inclusive. But inclusive, inclusion is really an action. It's the active, intentional, ongoing engagement with people. So we can think about inclusion and, and ask ourselves if we're inclusive using those four kind of, of principles. Are we active about including people? Are we intentional? Are we engaging on an ongoing basis? All right, James, before we go to commercial, do me a favor here. Tell the audience how they can connect with you, please, if they want to learn more about you, where they can find your book, which we're going to talk about in the second segment, or if they want to work with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? So the, to find the book, the book is available on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, at uh, many online bookstores. Uh, you can find us at organizationalignition.com. Uh, and there's a contact uh, page there where you can uh, get in touch with us. And uh, happy to chat with uh, anybody about where you are with your journey into diversity, equity, and inclusion. Sounds good. James, this is a great spot for us to take a quick pause here. So you sit tight. Don't go anywhere. You watching and listening, hang in there. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. didn't garnish. <laughs> On the Chowdown Network. We can't wait to go. <laughs> Why are your mittens still on, she says. Please, God. That's weird. Dry okay. food, it's much better than our ability to actually do a take on television. We got you covered. Help me. <laughs> Trust me, I can cook way better than I can act. Roll sound. Roll. Sound production, take two. Hi, I'm Kelly Lyons, the host of the Gourmet Mama. Rosemary chicken, made in 25 minutes. And we have this and many other recipes to feed your family wholesome, clean, delicious food that you can get done in 30 minutes or less. So whether you're making dinner at night 
or planning for a big dinner party at your house on the weekends, we got you covered. We have recipes on RVN Television and we will be featured on the Chowdown Network at rvntelevision.tv. Say we've got grit, and we'll take it as a compliment. Because it's our uncommon drive, our spark within, that brings us together and sets us apart. We are temple made. And when others take shortcuts, when others take breaks, when others take the easy way, we take charge. A stroke can be easy. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and we're talking today with James McKim about diversity, equity, inclusion, learning some things that you may not have known, especially even as we think about definitionally what those terms mean. James, welcome back for the second segment here. I uh, want to jump right in by, by starting with talking about your book, The Diversity Factor. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write it and what will folks learn by reading it? What inspired me to write it was um, I had been actually thinking quite a bit about diversity from the perspective of an individual uh, for a number of years. Uh, one of the roles I have is I serve for the Episcopal Church National Executive Committee uh, Council on Ra Racism um, and Reconciliation. I, I chair that committee. Uh, and I saw across the country a need to, to talk about the benefits of diversity because we've been talking about anti-racism and it's had a negative connotation. And I wanted to get the positive um, aspects of diversity out there. Um, so that was originally what I was thinking about and wanting to write about. And then 2020 happened. The events of 2020, the summer with the, the murders of uh, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, et cetera. And I started thinking, well, you know, I'm a business person and there must be a business benefit to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I scoured the, the research out there and the books out there, and I didn't really see much out there talking about the business benefits, the organizational performance benefits of diversity. So that's when I said, well, maybe that's the book I need to write now because there's a lot of people who have written about um, anti-racism and diversity and the benefits uh, from an individual's perspective. Um, so that was the, the real genesis of the book. And um, I, I wanted to also better define organizational performance. Uh, that's a term that for so many people just means, well, we make a lot of money. And, you know, organizational performance is much broader than that. And we talk about how it really boils down to effectiveness, efficiency, relevance, and financial viability is the definition from Universalia. And I, I saw that definition and it really resonated with me. So I said, let's write the book looking at those components how to, and how does diversity impact those components. And so that's what you're gonna get in the book, how diversity impacts effectiveness, efficiency, relevance, and financial viability through another framework lens that I came up with, uh, that I, I found, which is Kurt Howe's organizational performance system. And I, I 
based a, a lot of what I talk about in the book on his book and his experiences, 40 years of experience of working with organizations, using, uh, looking at uh, organizational performance as a systems approach. So that's what you get in the book. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you talk about the ROI and the impact on performance. I mean, that resonates with me. As, as you know, in, in the books that I've written about the new ROI, the return on individuals, the lens is the, the actual economic impact and benefit you get from implementing things that many folks consider to be soft and squishy and otherwise intangible. So putting some tangible results behind it always makes it much more impactful. Uh, so right. congratulations on that. Um, what's your perspective on how companies are doing right now with diversity, equity, inclusion? So this is uh, something else that I ran into that you'll, you'll see in the book. Uh, there are a number of organizations that have created uh, diversity and inclusion maturity models. Um, that And the, the model that I use, I actually blend the two models, one from PricewaterhouseCoopers and one from Deloitte. And the, uh, the maturity models all start with a very basic level of maturity where people aren't really paying attention to diversity at all, or if they are, it's only because of EEOC compliance here in the United States, right? It's only because they're being forced to deal with it. And they're only dealing with it in the sense of, we don't want to have an environment where people can uh, bring suit against us, right? The, the model uh, moves up from there to organizations that have just started to think about it and started to maybe have a diversity committee um, and then moves up from there to organizations that have defined a diversity, equity, and inclusion plan. And then at the very highest level, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a core competency. It's seen as a core competency by everybody in the organization, right? Um, and people don't even have to think about it anymore. Where we see most organizations today are somewhere in the, the second stage uh, and maybe making that transition point into that third level of what we call progressing. Uh, they've got a diversity committee and they're starting to think about putting together a plan um, and that's kind of where they are. Um, what I'm seeing there with those, even those with the plans though, is that there, there is this focus, almost a myopic focus on diversity being race and gender and representational. They're just looking to bring in as many people to the organization as possible and not yet thinking about how to leverage that diversity, how to leverage those perspectives to get the true organizational performance benefit. James, one of the expressions you hear in business all the time is you can't manage what you, what you don't measure. Yes. How should organizations be thinking about managing slash measuring diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives? So that's a great question. That's something else I spend several chapters in the book talking about. Um, moving into diversity, equity, and inclusion is a process. It's a journey. And as with any journey, any change management initiative, you have to manage it like a change program. And that means you have to define a plan, doing some analysis to see where you are today, and make some, uh, establish some goals for where you want to be in the future, and identify tasks, roles, and responsibilities for getting to where you want to be. And the, along with establishing the goals you want to establish, as you, as you mentioned, you know, metrics, you need to be able to measure. 
So what I talk about is metrics uh, in four different areas, metrics from a business perspective, metrics from a process perspective, metrics from a people perspective, and metrics from a technology and facilities perspective. So there, I've identified 20 different metrics in those four areas that an organization can look to identify and set goals around. And once those goals are set, and the goals can be representational goals, which is what most people think of, which is we want to have 50% of our uh, leadership be women, for example. That's a representational metric. But we also want to think about impact metrics. When we think about impact metrics, we want to think about things like how many discrimination lawsuits do we have last year? If we had five, maybe we have a goal this year to have three. Uh, what's the market makeup of our client base? Um, maybe we want to reach into a new market next year that we weren't in before. So we want to think about impact goals just as much as we want to think about representational goals. Uh, how many um, ideas have come from a broad spectrum of people in the organization? Thank you. So those are the kinds of goals we talk about. Thank you for sharing that. I want to ask you um, somewhat of a tricky question. I want to talk about hiring. So when you talk about mm -hmm. the, um, the, the representational and impactful metrics and you talk about now um, an opportunity to fill a role and we think about hiring, um, oftentimes folks are trained and taught, hire someone like yourself, right? And not necessarily someone who looks like you, but somebody with a similar background, similar perspectives. Why is that? not the right way to be thinking about it these days. Right, what, where that shows up or how that shows up uh, in job descriptions is usually, we want someone with a culture fit with us, right? <laughs> Which is really falling into, or uh, leading into what's referred to as an affinity bias. We tend to like people, we tend to want to have people on our teams who are like us, that think like us, who look like us. And that's not good because of what we talked about in the, the first segment about having different perspectives which create the value. If you have people who look like you and think like you, you're not gonna get different perspectives. You're gonna get a bunch of yes men or yes women who are just gonna agree with what the leaders say and not question and not think out of the box. So we need those different perspectives. And that's why we need to, when we look at hiring, uh, we need to create a really a workforce plan and, and large companies have people dedicated to creating a workforce plan that says here's the work we need to do here are the kinds of skill sets we need here are the different perspectives that we need to make sure we have on the team so we're getting the the different perspectives uh, for making the better decisions and here's how we're going to execute about bringing those different perspectives into the organization through the hiring process which we also need to debias because people who are doing the interviewing and bringing people in, we all have biases. We need to make sure that we're guarding against um, those affinity biases kicking in during the interviewing process as well. Right, so, so just to get a little more granular, when you talk about having um, a particular goal or a metric around, say, having uh, women in representing leadership, for example, mm -hmm. uh, a percentage or a number, uh, someone resigns, two people resign, now we need to fill those positions. Are, are we specifically saying that to achieve those goals, we want to now focus specifically on hiring women to replace the departing women? 
Yeah, that, that's a great question. And as you said, this, this does get tricky because there are certain kinds of goals legally you cannot have in an organization, right? Um, so for me, the advice is make sure you have a balance of perspectives. And whatever that means. So you may not necessarily replace the woman, but look at what other perspectives that person brought to the organization and try to match those as best as possible. Yep, thank you. James, tell the audience how they can connect with you if they want to learn more about you. You can connect with me and our organization at organizationalignition.com. Um, we have a contact us form there. Uh, we're on uh, social media as well. We're on LinkedIn as Organizational Ignition. We're on Facebook and uh, Google as Organizational Ignition. We're on Instagram as McKim James. And so that's how you can get a hold of me. Thank you. For us. James, we're getting down to the short strokes here. Only about three and a half minutes to go in the program. But I want to ask you uh, for kind of the final word here on the show. What advice do you offer for companies and leaders who are watching and listening and what they can be doing better around DEI? What I think organizations can be doing better around DEI is not so much concentrating on diversity per se, but concentrate on different perspectives in the organization and concentrate on engaging those different perspectives, the inclusion piece of the, the puzzle and start with pulling together a number of people who are interested in this topic. If you don't have a diversity committee already, start one. Just get the discussion going. With that discussion going, you can then have those folks start to uh, think about how do we leverage diversity in our organization? How do we bring more perspectives to our organization in all those areas that we talked about and, and really igniting the organization for superior organizational performance? That's great. James, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Thank you, Dave. Great to be here. Great conversation. Yeah, it really was a great conversation. Really enlightening and really in clarifying some topics that were otherwise potentially fuzzy for a lot of us. So thank you for bringing that clarity to us. My pleasure. You've been watching Behind the Numbers. You've been listening to Behind the Numbers with James McKim today. We've been talking about diversity, equity, inclusion and how that impacts organizational performance. Uh, do grab a copy of his book. He told you where you can find it in all the usual places. Again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the person that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. I'm helping them in valuing their businesses and their intangible assets. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to have a conversation. And as always, thank you for watching and listening. We really appreciate your support. Crush the subscribe button so you can stay in touch with us and know when the next episode drops. And until it does, you take care. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers.